Chapter Eleven of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Four by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Interview it is impossible to paint the look which madame de lucenay and the father of florestan exchanged at these terrible words the galleys the galleys my poor dear vicomte the comte became deadly pale and leant on the back of an armchair whilst his knees seemed to sink beneath him his venerable and respected name his name dishonoured by the man whom he accused of being the fruit of adultery the first feeling over the contracted features of the old man a threatening gesture which he made as he advanced towards the adjoining apartment betrayed a resolution so alarming that madame de lucenay seized his hand and said in an accent of the most perfect conviction he is innocent i will swear it listen in silence the comte paused he wished to believe what the duchess said to him and she was entirely persuaded of florestan's untarnished honour to obtain fresh sacrifices from this woman so blindly generous sacrifices which alone could save him from arrest and the prosecution of jacques ferrand the vicomte had affirmed to madame de lucenay that duped by a scoundrel from whom he had taken a forged bill in exchange he ran the risk of being considered as the forger's accomplice as having himself put this bill into circulation madame de lucenay knew that the vicomte was imprudent extravagant reckless but she never for an instant supposed him capable not only of a base or infamous action but even of the slightest indiscretion twice lending him considerable sums under very trying circumstances she had wished to render him a friendly service the vicomte expressly accepting these loans under the condition that he should return them for there were persons he said who owed him double that amount and his style of living made it seem probable besides madame de lucenay yielding to the impulse of her natural kindness had only thought of how she could be useful to florestan without ever reflecting as to whether or not he would ever return the sums thus advanced he said so and she did not doubt him for otherwise would he have accepted such large amounts when then she thus answered for florestan's honour entreating the old comte to listen to his son's conversation the duchess thought that it was a question of the breach of honour of which the vicomte had declared himself the victim and that he must stand forth completely exonerated in the eyes of his father again i declare continued florestan in a troubled voice this petit jean is a scamp he assured me that he had no other bills in his hands but those which i received from him yesterday and three days previously i believed this one still in circulation and only due three months hence in london at the house of adams and company yes yes said the sarcastic voice of badinot i know my dear vicomte that you had managed the affair very cleverly so that your forgeries would not be detected until you were a long way off but you tried to do those who were more cunning than yourself and you dare to say that to me now rogue as you are exclaimed florestan furious with anger when was it not yourself who brought me into contact with the person who negotiated these bills now my dear aristocrat replied badinot coolly be cool you very skilfully counterfeit commercial signatures but although they are so adroitly done that is no reason why you should treat your friends with disagreeable familiarity and if you give way to unseemly fits of temper i shall leave you and then you may arrange this matter by yourself and do you think it possible for a man to be calm in such a position as that in which i find myself if what you say be true if this charge be to-day preferred at the office of the attorney-general i am lost it is really as i tell you unless you have again recourse to your charming blue-eyed providence impossible 
then make up your mind to the worst it is a pity it was the last bill and for five-and-twenty thousand miserable francs one thousand livres to go and take the air at toulon is awkward absurd foolish how could a clever fellow like you allow yourself to be thus taken aback what can i do what can i do nothing here is my own and i have not twenty louis in the world left your friends why i am in debt to every one who could lend me do you think else that i am such a fool as to have waited until to-day before i applied to them true but come let us discuss the matter quietly that is the best way of arriving at a reasonable conclusion just now i wish to explain to you how you had been met by a party more clever than yourself but you did not attend to me well tell me now if that will do any good well let us recapitulate you said to me two months since i have bills on different banking-houses at long dates for a hundred and thirteen thousand francs four thousand five hundred twenty livres and my dear badinot i wish you to find the means of cashing them well and then listen i asked you to let me see these bills a certain something made me suspect that they were forged although so admirably done i did not suspect it is true that you were so expert in calligraphy but employing myself in looking after your fortune when you had no longer any fortune to look after i found you were completely done up i had arranged the deed by which your horses your carriages and the furniture of this house became the property of boyer and edwards thus then there was no wonder at my astonishment when i found you in possession of commercial securities to such a considerable amount eh never mind your astonishment but come to the point i am close upon it i have enough experience or timidity not to be very anxious to mix myself up with affairs of this nature i therefore advised you to consult a third party who no less clear-sighted than myself suspected the trick you desired to play him impossible he would not have discounted the bills if he had believed them forged how much money down did you get for these hundred and thirteen thousand francs twenty-five thousand francs in ready money and the rest in small debts to collect and how much of these small debts did you collect nothing as you very well know they were fictitious but still he risked twenty-five thousand francs how green you are my dear vicomte having my commission of a hundred louis to receive of you if the affair came off i took very good care not to say a word to number three as to the real state of your affairs thus he believed you entirely at your ease and he moreover knew how you were adored by a certain great lady immensely rich who would not allow you to be left in any difficulties and thus he was quite sure of recovering at least as much as he advanced he ran a risk certainly of losing something but he also ran a chance of gaining very considerably and his calculation was correct for the other day you counted out to him a hundred thousand francs good and sound in order to retire the bill for fifty-eight thousand francs and yesterday thirty thousand francs for the second for that he contented himself it is true with the actual amount how you raised these thirty thousand francs yesterday devil fetch me if i can guess but you are a wonderful fellow you see now that to wind up the account if petit jean forces you to pay the last bill of twenty-five thousand francs he will have received from you a hundred and fifty-five thousand francs for the twenty-five thousand which he originally handed to you so i was quite right when i said that you had met with a person even more clever than yourself but why did he say that this last bill which he presents to-day was negotiated that you might not take the alarm he told you also that 
except that of fifty thousand francs the others were in circulation the first being paid yesterday comes the second and to-day the third scoundrel listen every one for himself but let us talk coolly this must prove to you that petit jean and between ourselves i should not be astonished to find out that in spite of his sanctity jacques ferrand went snacks in the speculation this must prove i say that petit jean led on by your first payments speculates on this last bill as he has speculated on the others quite certain that your friends will not allow you to be handed over to a court of assizes it is for you to see whether or not these friendships are yet drained dry or if there are yet a few more drops to be squeezed out for if in three hours the twenty-five thousand francs are not forthcoming noble vicomte you will be in the stone jug which you keep saying to me in order that you may thoroughly comprehend me and agree perhaps to try and draw another feather from the wing of this generous duchess i repeat it it is useless to think of such a thing any hope of finding twenty-five thousand francs in three hours after the sacrifices she has already made would be madness to expect to please you happy mortal impossibilities would be attempted oh she has already tried impossibilities for it was one to borrow a hundred thousand francs from her husband and to succeed but such phenomena are not expected twice in a lifetime now my dear badinot up to this time you have had no cause to complain of me i have always been generous try and obtain some delay from this wretch petit jean you know very well i always find a way of recompensing those who serve me and when once this last affair is got over i will try again and you shall be satisfied petit jean is as inflexible as you are unreasonable i try once more to interest your generous friend in your sad fate devil take it why not tell her plump all about it not as you have already that you have been the dupe of forgers but that you are a forger yourself i will never make to her any such confession it would be to shame myself for no advantage do you prefer then that she should learn the fact to-morrow by the gazette des tribunaux i have three hours before me and can fly where can you go without money but look at the other side of the matter this last forged bill retired you will be again in a splendid position you will only have a few debts come promise me that you will again speak to your duchess you are such a fellow for the women you know how to make yourself interesting in spite of your errors and let the worst come to the worst they will like you a little the worse or not at all but they will extricate you from your mess come come see your lovely and loving friend once more i will run to petit jean and i feel sure i shall get a respite of an hour or two hell must i then drink the draught of shame to the very dregs come come good luck be tender passionate charming i will run to petit jean you will find me there until three o'clock later than that will be useless the attorney-general's office closes at four o'clock and m badinot left the apartment when the door was closed they heard florestan exclaim in accents of the deepest despair mon dieu mon dieu mon dieu during this conversation which unveiled to the comte the infamy of his son and to madame de lucenay the infamy of the man she had so blindly loved both had remained motionless scarcely breathing beneath this fearful disclosure 
it would be impossible to depict the mute eloquence of the agonizing scene which took place between this young lady and the comte when he had no longer any possible doubt as to florestan's crime extending his arms to the room in which his son was the old man smiled with bitterest sarcasm casting an overwhelming look on madame de lucenay which seemed to say and this is the man for whom you have braved all shame made every sacrifice this is he whom you have reproached me for abandoning the duchess understood the reproach and bowing her head she felt all the weight of her shame the lesson was terrible by degrees however a haughty indignation succeeded to the cruel anxiety which had contracted the features of madame de lucenay the inexcusable faults of this lady were at least palliated by the sincerity and disinterestedness of her love by the boldness of her devotion and the boundlessness of her generosity by the frankness of her character and by her inexorable aversion from all that was contemptible and base still too young too handsome too recherche to feel the humiliation of having been merely made a fool of when once the feeling of love was suddenly crushed within her this haughty and decided woman felt no longer hatred or anger but instantaneously and without any transition a deadly disgust an icy disdain at once destroyed all that affection hitherto so strong she was no longer the mistress unworthily deceived by her lover but the lady of high blood and rank detecting a man of her circle to be a swindler and a forger and driving him forth supposing that there were even some extenuating circumstances for the ignominy of florestan madame de lucenay would not have omitted them for in her estimation the man who crossed certain bounds of honour whether from vice weakness or persuasion no longer had an existence in her eyes honourable demeanour being with her a question of existence or non-existence the only painful feeling which the duchess experienced was excited by the terrible effect which this unexpected revelation produced on her old friend the comte for some moments he seemed neither to see nor hear his eyes were fixed his head bowed his arms hanging by his side his face livid as death whilst from time to time a convulsive sigh heaved his breast with such a man as resolute as energetic such a condition was more alarming than the most violent transports of anger madame de lucenay regarded him with great uneasiness courage my dear friend she said to him in a low voice for you for me for this man i know what remains for me to do the old man looked steadfastly at her and then as if aroused from his stupor by a violent internal commotion he raised his head his features assumed a menacing appearance and forgetting that his son could hear him he exclaimed and i too for you for me and for this man i know what remains for me to do who is there inquired florestan surprised madame de lucenay fearing to find herself in the vicomte's presence disappeared by the little door and descended the secret staircase florestan having again asked who was there and receiving no reply entered the salon he found the comte there alone the old man's long beard had so greatly altered him and he was so miserably clad that his son who had not seen him for several years not recognizing him at the moment advanced towards him with a menacing air what are you doing there who are you the husband of that woman replied the comte pointing to the picture of madame de saint-remy my father exclaimed florestan recoiling in alarm as he recalled the features of the comte so long forgotten standing erect with threatening air angry look his forehead scarlet 
the comte looked down upon his son who with his head bent down dared not raise his eyes towards him still m de saint-remy for some motive made a violent effort to remain calm and conceal his real feelings and resentment my father said florestan half choked you were there i was there you heard then all ah cried the vicomte in agony and hiding his face in his hands there was a minute's silence florestan at first as much astonished as annoyed at the unexpected appearance of his father began to reflect upon what advantage he could derive from this incident all is not lost he said to himself my father's presence is a stroke of fate he knows all he will not have his name dishonoured he is not rich but he must possess more than twenty-five thousand francs a little skill and i may leave my duchess at peace and be saved then giving to his handsome features an expression of grief and dejection moistening his eye with the tears of repentance assuming his most touching tone of voice he exclaimed clasping his hands with a gesture of despair oh father i am indeed wretched after so many years to see you at such a moment i must appear to you most culpable but deign to listen to me i beseech you allow me not to justify myself but to explain to you my conduct will you my father m de saint-remy made no reply his features remained rigid but seating himself his chin leaning on the palm of his hand he contemplated the vicomte in silence had florestan known the motives which filled the mind of his father with fury and vengeance alarmed by the apparent composure of the comte he would not doubtless have tried to dupe him but ignorant of the suspicions respecting the legitimacy of his birth and of his mother's lapse of virtue he had no doubt of the success of his deceit thinking his father who was very proud of his name was capable of making any sacrifice rather than allow it to be dishonoured my father resumed florestan timidly allow me to endeavour not to exculpate myself but to tell you by what a series of involuntary temptations i have done in spite of myself such an infamous action the vicomte took his father's silence for tacit consent and continued when i had the misfortune to lose my mother my poor mother i was alone without advice or support master of a considerable fortune used to luxury from my cradle it became to me a necessity ignorant how difficult it is to earn money i was immeasurably prodigal unfortunately my expenses foolish as they were were remarkable for their elegance by my taste i eclipsed men ten times richer than myself this first success intoxicated me and i became a man of extravagance as one becomes a man of arms or a statesman yes i liked luxury not from vulgar ostentation but i liked it as a painter loves his art like every artist i was jealous of my work and my work was to me luxury i sacrificed everything to its perfection i wished to have it beautiful and complete in everything from my stable to my drawing-room from my coat to my house i wished my life to be the emblem of taste and elegance in fact as an artist i sought the applause of the mob and the admiration of the elite this success is rare but i acquired it as he spake florestan's features gradually lost their hypocritical assumption and his eyes kindled with enthusiasm he looked in his father's face and thinking it was somewhat softened continued oracle and regulator of the world my praise or blame were law i was quoted copied boasted of admired 
and that by the best circle in paris which is to say in europe in the world the women participated in the general enthusiasm and the loveliest contended for the pleasure of being invited to certain fates which i gave and everywhere wonder was expressed at the incomparable elegance and taste displayed at these fetes which millionaires could not equal in fine i was the monarch of fashion this word will tell you all my father if you comprehend it i do comprehend it and i am sure that at the galleys you will invent some refined elegance in your fashion of wearing your chain that will become the mode in your gang and will be called a la saint remy said the old man with cutting irony adding and saint remy that is my name and again he was silent florestan had need of all his self-control to conceal the wound which this bitter sarcasm inflicted he continued in a more humble tone alas father it is not from pride that i revive the recollection of my success for i repeat to you it is that success which has undone me sought envied and flattered not by interested parasites but by persons much superior in position to myself i no longer calculated my fortune must be expended in a few years that i did not heed could i renounce this favourite dazzling life in which pleasures succeeded pleasures every kind of intoxication to every kind of enchantment ah if you knew father what it is to be hailed as the hero of the day to hear the murmur which greets your entrance into the salon to hear the women say that is he there he is oh if you knew i know said the old man without moving from his attitude i know yes the other day in a public place there was a crowd suddenly a murmur was heard like that which greets you when you enter some place then the woman's eyes were all turned eagerly on a very handsome young man just as they turned towards you and they pointed him out to one another saying that's he there he is just as if they were directing attention to you and this man my father was a forger they were conveying to jail ah exclaimed florestan with concentrated rage then affecting the deepest affliction he added my father you are pitiless what shall i then say to you i do not seek to deny my errors i only desire to explain to you the fatal infatuation which has caused them well then if you should overwhelm me still with your bitterest sarcasms i will endeavour to go through with this confession i will endeavour to make you comprehend this feverish excitement which has destroyed me because then perchance you may pity me yes for there is pity for a madman and i was mad shutting my eyes i abandoned myself to the dazzling world into which i was drawn and drew with me the most charming women the most delightful men how could i check myself as easily say to the poet who exhausts himself and whose genius preys upon his health pause in the midst of the inspiration which urges you no he could not i could not abdicate the royalty which i exercised and return shamed ruined and mocked at in the unknown mob giving this triumph to those who envied me and whom until then i had defied controlled overpowered no no i could not voluntarily at least then came the fatal day when for the first time money failed me i was surprised as much as if such a moment never could have arrived yet i still had my horses my carriages the furniture of this house when my debts were paid there would perhaps still remain to me about sixty thousand francs what could i do in such misery 
it was then father that i made my first step in the path of disgrace until this time i was honourable i had only spent what belonged to me but then i began to incur debts which i had no chance of paying i sold all i had to two of my domestics in order to pay my debt to them and to be enabled to continue for six months longer in spite of my creditors to enjoy the luxury which intoxicated me to supply my play debts and extravagant outlay i first borrowed of the jews then to pay the jews of my friends then to pay my friends of my mistresses these resources exhausted there was another period of my life from an honest man i became a gambler but as yet i was not criminal i still hesitated i desired to take a violent resolution i had proved in several duels that i did not fear death i determined to kill myself ah bah really said the comte with fierce irony you do not believe me father it was too soon or too late replied the old man still unmoved and in the same attitude florestan believing that he had moved his father by speaking to him of his project for committing suicide thought it necessary to increase the effect by a coup de théâtre he opened a drawer took from it a small bottle of greenish glass and said to the comte depositing it on the table an italian quack sold me this poison and was this poison for yourself said the old man still having his chin in the palm of his hand florestan understood the force of the remark his features expressed real indignation for this time he spoke the truth one day he took it into his head to kill himself an ephemeral fancy persons of his stamp are usually too cowardly to make up their minds calmly and without witnesses to the death which they face as a point of honour in a duel he therefore exclaimed with an accent of truth i have fallen very low but not so low as that it was for myself that i reserved this poison and then were afraid of it asked the comte without changing his posture i confess i recoiled before this trying extremity nothing was yet desperate the persons to whom i owed money were rich and could wait at my age and with my connections i hoped for a moment if not to repair my fortunes at least to acquire for myself an honourable position an independence which would have supplied my present situation many of my friends perhaps less qualified than myself have made rapid progress in diplomacy i had ambition i had but to make it known and i was attached to the legation to gerolstein unfortunately a few days after this nomination a gaming debt contracted with a man who detested me placed me in a cruel dilemma i had exhausted my last resources a fatal idea flashed across my mind believing that i was assured of impunity i committed an infamous action you see my father i conceal nothing from you i avow the ignominy of my conduct i do not seek to extenuate anything two alternatives are now before me and i am equally inclined to either the one is to kill myself and leave your name dishonoured for if i do not pay this very day the twenty-five thousand francs the accusation is made and all is made public and dead or alive i am disgraced the second is to throw myself into your arms father to say to you save your son save your name from infamy and i swear to you to depart for africa to-morrow and die a soldier's death or return to you completely restored in reputation what i say to you father is true in face of the extremity which overwhelms me i have no other resource 
decide shall i die covered with shame or thanks to you live to repair my fault these are not the threats of a young man i am twenty-five i bear your name and i have sufficient courage either to kill myself or to become a soldier for i will not go to the galleys the comte rose from his seat saying i do not desire to have my name dishonoured oh my father exclaimed the vicomte with warmth and was about to embrace his father when the old man repressing his enthusiasm said you are expected until three o'clock at the man's house who has the forged bill yes father and it is now two o'clock let us go into your cabinet give me writing materials they are here father the comte sat down and wrote with a firm hand i undertake to pay this evening at ten o'clock the twenty-five thousand francs which my son owes comte de saint-remy your creditor merely wants his money my guarantee will obtain a further delay let him go to m dupont the banker at number seven in the rue richelieu and he will assure him of the validity of this promise oh my father how can i ever expect me this evening at ten o'clock i will bring the money let your creditor be here yes father and the day after i will set out for africa you shall see that i am not ungrateful then perhaps when i am again restored to honour you will accept my thanks you owe me nothing i have said that my name shall not be dishonoured again nor shall it be said m de saint-remy in reply taking up his cane and moving towards the door my father at least shake hands with me said florestan here this evening at ten o'clock said the comte refusing his hand saved exclaimed florestan joyously saved then he continued after a moment's reflection saved almost no matter it is always so perhaps this evening i shall tell him of the other thing he is in the vein and will not allow a first sacrifice to become useless for lack of a second yet why should i tell him who will ever know it yet if nothing should be discovered i shall keep the money he will give me to pay this last debt i had some work to move him the bitterness of his sarcasms made me suspicious of his good resolution but my threat of suicide the fear of seeing his name dishonoured decided him that was the way to hit him no doubt he is not so poor as he appears to be but his arrival was indeed a godsend now then for the man of law he rang the bell and m boyer appeared how was it that you did not inform me that my father was here really this is most negligent twice i endeavoured to address your lordship when you came in by the garden gate with m badinot but your lordship made me a sign with your hand not to interrupt you i did not venture to insist i should be very much grieved if your lordship should impute negligence to me very well desire edwards to harness orion or ploughboy in the cabriolet immediately m boyer made a respectful bow and he was about to quit the room someone knocked he looked at the vicomte with an inquiring air come in said florestan a second valet de chambre appeared bearing in his hand a small silver gilt waiter m boyer took hold of the waiter with a kind of jealous haste and presented it to the vicomte who took from it a thick packet sealed with black wax the two servants withdrew discreetly florestan broke open the envelope it contained twenty-five thousand francs in treasury bills but not a word of writing
decidedly he exclaimed in a joyful tone the day is propitious saved this time and at this moment completely saved i will run to the jeweller and yet he added perhaps no let us wait he cannot have any suspicion of me twenty-five thousand francs is a pleasant sum to have by one pardieu i was a fool ever to doubt the luck of my star at the moment when it seemed most obscure has it not burst forth more brilliant than ever but where does this money come from the writing of the address is unknown to me let me examine the seal the cipher yes yes i cannot mistake an n and an l it is clotilde how could she know and not a word that's strange how very opportune though ah mon dieu now i remember i had an appointment with her this morning that betty nose threats drove it out of my head i forgot clotilde after having waited for me downstairs no doubt she went away and this is unquestionably a delicate way of making me understand that she fears i may forget her through some pecuniary embarrassment yes it is an indirect reproach that i have not applied to her as usual good clotilde always the same generous as a queen what a pity i was ever driven to ask her her still so handsome i sometimes regret it but i only did it in a direful extremity and on sheer compulsion your lordship's cabriolet is at the door said m boyer on entering the room who brought this letter florestan inquired i do not know my lord well i will ask below but tell me was there no one in the ground floor asked the vicomte looking significantly at boyer there is no one there now my lord i was not mistaken thought florestan clotilde waited for me and is now gone if your lordship would have the goodness to grant me two minutes said boyer speak but be quick edwards and myself have learnt that the duc de montbrison is desirous of forming an establishment if your lordship would but just be so kind to propose your own ready furnished with the stable in first-rate order it would be a most admirable opportunity for edwards and myself to get the whole off our hands and perhaps for your lordship a good reason for disposing of them pardieu boyer you are right as for me i should prefer such an arrangement i will see montbrison and speak to him what are your terms your lordship will easily understand that we are desirous of profiting as much as possible by your generosity and turn your bargain to the best advantage nothing can be plainer let us see what's the price the whole two hundred and sixty thousand francs ten thousand four hundred livres my lord and you and edwards will thus clear about forty thousand francs one thousand six hundred livres my lord a very nice sum but so much the better for after all i am very much satisfied with you and if i had to make my will i should have bequeathed that sum to you and edwards and the vicomte went out first to call on his creditor then on madame de lucenay whom he did not suspect of having been present at his conversation with badinot End of chapter eleven read by celine major